Flair.com presents Two Cents Worth, a podcast on B2B sales and entrepreneurship. The one podcast that's not afraid to discuss real sales strategies with real entrepreneurs that produce real results. Here's your host, James Harper. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Two Cents Worth podcast. I'm your host, James Harper. Today's episode is absolutely critical for you to listen to if you are involved in sales and technology. And that's a trick question because we're all involved in technology in today's world. I sat down with Asa Hockhauser with Magad.io. And let me tell you this, Asa is an absolute pro when it comes to talking about what type of technology stack you really need for your sales outreach. He has vast experience in sales leadership and we really get into kind of what motivates teams and the best way that you can be the best version of your sales self in a leadership role. And more than anything, we go over kind of the trends, uh, what you should be expecting moving into 2022 when it does come to technology and sales. So without any further ado, I know you're going to love this episode as much as I love this conversation. I introduce you to Asa Hawkhauser. Hey Asa, thanks for joining me here this afternoon. How are you doing today? I'm doing amazing, James. How are you? Doing well. So I'm really interested to speak with you because it looks like you have such vast experience with uh, sales, but really dealing with sales teams and more on the tech side of things. Before we get into all that, kind of give me the story of Asa. How'd you get to where you're at now? Sure. So again, thanks for having me. First and foremost, um, I'm really happy to be here. So I broke into tech uh, uh, as an SDR back in 2009, I believe it was. And I got really lucky. I found a kind of diamond in the rough down here in South Florida um, and joined a MarTech startup. And it was kind of like a full Silicon Valley vibe company here in South Florida, which was really hard to find back then. And I uh, just worked my way up. The company was founded by Scott Brinker. Uh, he's really well known in the MarTech space. Uh, he is responsible for building out that uh, marketing technology super infographic with 10,000 plus technologies. You've probably seen it at a conference a million times. <laughs> uh, so I uh, worked, worked there for about eight years. Uh, and so I learned a lot about actually selling to selling technology to marketers, as well as building out our own tools internally and making sure that we were set up for success there. Um, and then I was also head of sales at a company called uh, Linux Academy. Um, and we helped, uh, uh, was part of the acquisition where our biggest competitor, A Cloud Guru, purchased us. Um, but a lot of my responsibility there was setting up the stack internally and then working through the integration as well post acquisition. So I've just been around marketing technology, either you know, selling point solutions or, or working on systems internally on my own, you know, for my own teams. And then uh, joined Magada.io, been here for about a year and a half. Uh, currently work there as a VP of sales and Magada.io is a marketing technology and analytics consultancy. And what we do is we help uh, companies find the right tools right uh, for their tech stack, help them implement those tools and integrate those tools, which is really important, and then execute growth leveraging those tools. So, um, you know, I've uh, heard a lot of over the last, you know, 18 months or so, heard about a lot of the issues and problems that I was somewhat familiar with already, but just working here has really exacerbated how 
how challenging this stuff can be for, for uh, leaders. Yeah, absolutely. So actually, let's dive into that right there. Um, I love the fact that you have such knowledge in the tech space, and then we can translate that to sales, something um, that I see personally, I work with a ton of service based businesses, typically in old school industries, like the janitorial space, facility services, and technology is still a little bit foreign, but sales is everything to for instance, a cleaning company, how do you, um, how do you kind of like roll out a tech stack that's going to be implemented into a sales process? If you are in kind of like a quote unquote old school industry, or if this is a little bit foreign to you, like how do you choose the right sales stack, um, from a technology standpoint? And then how would you suggest to like roll that out? Yeah. So I think the most important thing when we think about sales is that we want our sellers selling, right? So how can we enable us to do that more of the time and not do things that aren't selling, that aren't talking to customers, you know, or, or prospects. So um, when we think about the tech stack, we always want to look back, look at our goals. What are we looking to achieve? I think that's somewhere where a lot of people get um, stuck is, you know, they see a shiny tool and they wonder if they should go and, and evaluate it. Like the bottom line is what are we trying to achieve as a company, right? First and foremost, and what are the actions that we're doing today to get there? Um, and it, are they the right actions? If they are, then let's find a way to accelerate those actions. And I think that's the key point there is, are they the right actions? And you don't wanna buy a technology that's gonna accelerate bad habits, right? So. Think about areas where um, you are seeing success now. How could you continue to build on that by way of technology um, and uh, also free up time um, so you can focus more on those uh, high value efforts and another uh, place where technology can often come in and help. I love that answer. Kind of, you know, we want to, and I love the quote, we want our sellers selling. That's exactly right. Um, I've seen big like mistakes happen within smaller companies. They implement technology just because they feel like they have to, but have no real true plan in place. And they get sold on something that might be bigger, a bigger solution than what they actually need. And then another thing you just said, create bad habits. Um, there's a big... I've done it. I've, I've been one of those leaders that purchased a tool that just slowed my team down. And, you know, it was a big mistake and good learning for us. So definitely it's been there for sure. Absolutely. Um, a big point of emphasis, I feel like the last 18 months, uh, especially as a lot of people, once COVID kicked off, went remote and had to learn virtual selling. I hear this huge buzzword in the sales realm, automation, automation, sales, automation, sales, automation. And we went back and forth on this show and I'm kind of a believer of sales automation doesn't close deals. When you hear that, what are your thoughts? Doesn't close deals, that's for sure. Um, yeah, I think it can help accelerate certain things. Um, with automation, like in another, we talk about goals, but also thinking about the buyer's journey, right? What does your buyer want automated? Like, think about it from that perspective. You know, so, um, do they like to do e-signatures, right? Or do they have to, are they, you know, maybe in the industries you're working with, they still like the, the fax machine, you know, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah uh, for sure. Um, um, but I think a, a, 
one area where I've seen automation work really well is um, if you think about like inbound marketing, right? Everyone's kind of put up this form to out, you know, someone can submit a form and say they're interested in speaking with someone. The way that it's worked in the past is they have a person that receives that inbound form. They pick up the phone or send them an email. They schedule a call to qualify them. And then they have, and then if they're qualified, then they let them speak to a, a qualified sales representative who then qualifies them again. And then if if that happens and that goes well, then they'll give them some sort of pitch that can help them solve their business problem. Usually it takes about two to three weeks for all that to happen. One thing I've seen work really well, and I was a little skeptical at first, but you know, we do it at McGon, it's it worked amazingly, um, is automate that entire process let someone qualify themselves through the form and schedule mm -hmm. a meeting with an AE with a qualified person uh, right away, right? So we're getting on the initial discovery call and we know who they are. If you can see they're not in their ICP, reach out to them and cancel the meeting, right? But we've automated that entire process and it cuts the sales cycle down, you can see now by weeks. Um, so that's one where, where you know, automation is not gonna close the deal but it just shaved a whole lot of time off my sales cycle, right? And it gave the buyer an experience. Which one as a buyer would you rather do? You know, would you rather just get that meeting scheduled and be talking two days later? Or would you have to want to go through the hoops that the, the person's, uh, the company's trying to make you go through? Um, so there's certain areas where I think like, again, sales can, you know, technology can help, help with uh, sales results. But to your point, closing deals, you know, that happens on the phone. Yeah, absolutely. I think you, you hit that question out of the, out of the park there, man. I, uh, was just looking at some background on you today and I was like, I wonder what he would think if we talked about, does he think automation closed deals? <laughs> I'm in alignment with you. I think it saves a lot of time. I think it helps you qualify speeds up the process, but then ultimately a transaction, especially in the B2B world still happens human to human. I think there's still a level of like relationship or trust that needs to be had there. Um, so, so great answer there. I'm curious. Uh, I'm curious when it comes to your experience, it sounds like you've just had a lot of, um, knowledge and experience working with different sales teams and sales companies rolling out different tech stacks. Where do companies that see the most success? when rolling out new technology? Like, is there like a common trend that they have? And then where are the ones that totally fail when rolling out a new tech stack? Is, it, is there a common trend there? Yeah, so I'll, I'll stick with the, the successful ones and we can kind of make some assumptions there like as to what, what would be unsuccessful. So people that are really successful in rolling out tech, think about the integrations, right? That needs to take place uh, for that technology to be successful because it can't live in a vacuum. Most of the technologies that you are using are capturing data. And that data is extremely valuable to your organization and can impact a lot of things, both upstream and downstream, depending on where it sits in the stack. So you have to think about that integration and how it's going to fit into the overall ecosystem of uh, how things work within the organization from both from a tech that stack perspective, but also from a workflow perspective, right? So the second piece there that I see companies do really well that are successful with their tech stacks is they think about who's going to be using the technology. Do they have the bandwidth to do it? Do they have the skill sets? How's it going to change their job? 
Um, and if they think about the integrations and the person using it, and then, like I said at the top, you know, mapping back to goals, then they're usually pretty successful. Um, they just have to know what they're doing with that integration piece. Um, the integration stuff is difficult, right? There's so many technologies out there. You really have to understand, you know, and have failed a lot to know what to look out for as you're integrating different systems together. Um, so the infrastructure is really important. So definitely making sure that you have, when you're thinking about the integration piece, you have someone that actually knows what they're doing. Um, and if not, then make sure you're, uh, you know, uh, reaching out for help. Love that. Absolutely love that. How, how critical would you say, like, if you're rolling out a new technology to your sales team, like is training and like who, who should be responsible? I know it's probably different company to company, but like, is the training solely on the sales manager on the VP of sales? Do you delegate someone to be the sales trainer and then, you know, uh, create manuals. Like, talk to me about the training process when rolling out a new tech stack. So it's different for every company based on the resources you have internally. Um, if we're very small, it's likely going to fall on the person who purchased it, right? Um, I think larger organizations do have a full sales enablement team, a training team that really focus on that. And I, but either in either scenario, you do have to think about how you're going to train the team before you sign on the dotted line to implement this technology. It really should be part of your evaluation program. Don't think about it afterwards because you're just going to waste a lot of time trying to figure out that after you've made the purchase and not going to get time to value very, you know, very quickly in that first year. Specifically for sales tech, when you're accelerating sales motions and going out and, and trying to amplify what a sales rep is doing, I'm a big believer that you have to take a lot of time to train your team before you do that. And so what I like to, what I do and when I um, onboard new employees and have consistent development on my team um, is skill development is understanding the buyer and what their world looks like um, so that they are super in tune and know their, the, their buyer's job almost as well as they do, if not better. So that then they can go and use these technologies to amplify really good uh, messaging and outreach. So I do think there's training on the technology that needs to be thought of before you actually purchase it and make sure you have a plan and understand what the time to value is going to be. But also think about what you need the team really well versed in to be able to use it outside of the technology. So if you think about like an email marketing pl uh, email platform that the sales teams use, you don't want someone that has horrible email messaging and etiquette, you know, getting their hands on that and blasting out a bunch of horrible stuff that's just going to really hurt, your, hurt you more than help. So I think there's a, a training aspect before they even get their hands on the technology. So I've done a lot of certify on the buyer, then certify on, you know, your own uh, product, and then get them certified on actually using these technologies and the outreach methods that work for your business. Awesome. I think that's really well said. And the reason I asked that question is I've just seen a lot of companies struggle with rolling out technology or they might roll it out and they have one subject matter expert on it that hosts all this tribal knowledge, but then there's zero, a zero training program put in place and it's never utilized to its fullest capability. Um, switching gears here, we've been heavy on the tech talk. I'm just curious, based on your experience, going more towards like sales leadership, 
Um, it looks like you have a ton of sales leadership in your background and we have a lot of sales leaders that listen to this call. A lot of sales managers that are, that listen to this um, show. When you think of sales leadership, sales coaching, whatever that means to you, when you're managing teams, especially a sales team, like what, what's most important to you when it comes to, to leading a group of, of sales individuals? For me, it's, it's, there's the no I in team aspect. Uh, I really am a big believer that if you're not here for the, the, the larger team, um, then you don't have a place on my team. Um, there's no, I think there's no room for egos and, and um, a-holes, you know, within, on my team. So um, you have to be able to, you know, work together. Selling is a team sport. Um, I, I'm a really big believer with that. So working across the people on your sales team, but even cross departmentally. Um, so I look for that, that ability to, you know, when I'm looking at sales people, that ability to collaborate and work well with others. Um, and, you know, if you can get that right, then, and then start to create a, a good cadence of support for each other, then it does something really magical to the sales culture. Um, I, I, I'd like to see a lot of times when there is a sales culture within the company culture, you have the larger company culture, but often you can define specifically like what kind of sales team you want in the company and kind of lead by example as to what that will be. And that I think comes through collaboration and making sure people are helping each other. It starts to create this, this magic thing where as a sales leader, you don't have to do too much because you've hired really smart people that are working together and they figure, they figure a lot of things out, you know, and come to you when they, when they really need it. It's a great answer when, and you said something interesting there. I want to kind of unpack a little bit. Selling is a team sport. I mm-hmm. love that analogy. I like how you broke that down. I think often some top performing sales individuals view it as kind of like a, I'm a lone wolf. I'm a sales shark. I'm a go get it type of killer out there. Selling's a team sport. Talk to me about that. Like, like how do you view that philosophy? So in the world where there's a lot of stakeholders that are influencing a decision on what they on purchases within a business you have to have an army a a swiss army knife i'll call it more of ways to get that buying committee to align and actually commit to a decision so when i think about buying uh, selling as a team sport you have to have um across the board different people to help you get past that part in the sales process, right? So if you think about like a, a technology evaluation, you have to have a, some sort of sales engineer, um, some sort of technical resource to bring into that picture. You have to be able to set them up for success and do it effectively through communication in order for you to come together and get through that technology evaluation. You get to later stage, and maybe you want to. You're talking at the C level. Maybe you're an early stage sales or a junior sales rep. You need to bring in someone that has that executive presence, right? You have to be able to one have that relationship, know how to go and find that person to bring in, and then make sure that they're prepped 
And then also them being willing to help you out, knowing that they're going to have someone come to help you there. Um, so I think when I think about sales as a team sport, I think about I'm a baseball guy, right? You have a person at each position and you got to kind of each person has to do their job. But, you know, together you're, you're there for a common mission and that's, you know, to win the deal. Absolutely. Uh, we had, I don't know if you've ever heard of Steve Haru. He was on the mm -hmm. show a, a few weeks ago. I'll send you some stuff, but he talked exact yeah. analogy, baseball. He's the baseball term and basically like a great salesperson just gives a good at bat. You may, if you make a pitcher throw 10 pitches at an at bat and you ground out, um, but you move a runner, right? You just advanced a deal, but on the, on the box sheet, it goes in as an out, right? You ground it out, but really you advance the team. Uh, through the bases. So I, I love the yeah, fact that it, you just said And that. you think about the guy that sprints down the first baseline, even though he's about to get out and then goes back and high fives his teammate versus yeah, the guy exactly. who doesn't even make it out of the batter's box and throws his helmet, right? But yeah, I think, uh, I think in the major leagues, you'll never really see that because they understand the value of moving that runner over. Uh, but that's why they're professionals, right? Yeah, love it. Really well said. Two last questions for you here, Asa, and um, really appreciate your time today. This has been awesome, and I think it's a, a topic that's just going to become more and more relevant. Technology's not going anywhere, and, and the sales game, it's its really everything right now. Last, uh, I kind of have a professional question for you, then, uh, then we do something fun at the end called Question Roulette. Um, the last professional one here, give me some sales trends. Um, can be tech, can be anything that you kind of see that you expect to see kind of roll out over the next 12 months here in 2022? Sales trends. I think there's, there's a lot. I think um, enabling sellers with data is going to become, uh, you know, more and more important as insights are available, right? We have to make sure that we're putting those into this seller's hands so that they can actually use them something that's not super new from a conceptual standpoint, but just it's been really hard for people to execute against. But I think people are starting to figure it out and understand and the technology is there to make it a little bit more um, possible. So I, th I think that's one. I also think that the, the, the profile of an A player in sales will just continue to evolve. Um, mm. You know, it's social and like, you just see the way people are starting to engage with each other online. Um, I, I do think that that's going to be more and more critical from a, a, a player um, profile is just going to continue to change. And there's going to be a lot of interesting studies and, and research and development that's going to show how that profile changes over time. Um, but, you know, I, I will say that the basics are still super important. Um, I think that, uh, kind of the, the one thing I, I say to, to salespeople is just make sure you're leaving voicemails. I just see so many people not leaving voicemails anymore. It, I think it's such a, I know it even has the text to read and you got to think about it. Like, you know, people are reading your voicemail as well. But if you're making phone calls, like you should be making phone calls, leave a voicemail. I know that's not a new trend, but going back to the basics a little bit, I think there's a ton of missed opportunity that people are, are, are missing out on there. An opportunity 100%. people are missing out on there. 100%. Jeb Blunt has a full chapter in 
fanatical prospecting about voicemails, man. So I definitely think there's a something there. Yeah, there, you go. there you go. It's a, it's a great book. Highly recommend it. Hey, so this has been awesome, man. And I think you have a, a wealth of knowledge. Love to have you back sometime, man, um, for probably part two of this conversation. Uh, with that being said, uh, we do this thing called Question Roulette. I have a black box and a white box, random questions. I have no idea what these questions are. They range across the board. Uh, what box would you like to choose from? And we'll ask you a random question. Let's go black. Okay. 80% of our, our guests choose black. It's so funny. All right. Uh, here we go. This is a good one, especially for you. When you think about success, who comes to mind and why? Not what, but who? In my own career? Yeah, whatever and uh Yeah, I think it's, you know, I think about anyone that does things that are bigger than themselves. Um, so I, I love the stories of like Mother Teresa, Gandhi, you know, these types of folks. Um, and then people who have really, really refined their craft. So I'm a big surfer. Uh, I like extreme sports. Watching these uh, people who just, kill it on a skateboard and on a surfboard and what they're doing at, at um, out in Portugal on a wave called Nazar um, that that to me is success because you you you've worked so hard at your craft and you're just crushing it so I love to see that and, and love to see, love to see people there professionally I always give a shout out to my mentor um, and leader when I was at Ion Interactive Anatole Rico um, I think anyone who has the opportunity to connect with her and just follow her, um, you, know, she, you can learn a lot from her. And uh, in, in the professional world, you should, I'm a big believer, you need to be surrounding yourself with people that are going to root for you and look for ways for you to grow unselfishly. And uh, she was able to do that. So I think uh, that's, that's success to me in the professional world that we're in and here in the B2B, exciting B2B world we're in. Awesome, man. And that's a great answer. Um, that's a good question. Good answer. Um, Asa, for those of, um, that are still listening, where can people find you? We'll link everything in the show notes. Uh, we'll definitely put your LinkedIn profile in there, but yeah. Um, anything you want to shout out or, um, let people know where they can learn more about you. Yeah, please connect on LinkedIn. That's probably the best place to find me. Happy to chat it up. Uh, just don't uh, put your LinkedIn automation on me. Um, but <laughs> uh, post, uh, uh, accept, sell, uh, sell, sell pitch. Um, and then uh, check out Magada.io, our, our website. We offer a free book there. It's a hard book on building the modern tech stack called Build Cool, cool Shit. It was written by our CEO. He's got tons of experience. And I think it's amazing for all stages of companies to pick up a copy of that. Awesome. Love that, man. We'll definitely link that in the show notes as well. Ace, I really appreciate it, brother, and hope to have you back on here soon. Pleasure, James. We'll talk soon.